Today's episode is brought to you by the Frankenmuth Convention and Visitors Bureau. Come plan your vacation at frankenmuth.org. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Call of Leadership podcast, where we interview people from our Michigan community who answered the call of leadership. We'll all hear their powerful stories and get their advice so that we can be better leaders for ourselves, our families, and our communities. I am your host, Cliff Duvinois, and today's guest has got a long-standing tradition of community service, not only through his family's business, but he's also served on the Frankenmuth JCs, the Frankenmuth Civic Event Council, the Cass River Ramblers, as well as numerous other volunteering organizations. And ladies and gentlemen, he also has his own beer, which we will discuss later. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show the president and CEO of the Rummel Insurance Agency, Greg Rummel. Greg, how are you? Doing great, Cliff. Thanks for having me on. Good to be with you. Definitely. And thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up. Well, that's a pretty short story because it's really not too far from from where I am right now. In fact, I haven't haven't gone very far, I'll tell you. (laughs) I am fifth generation here in Frankenmuth, Michigan. Michigan's a little Bavaria. My relatives date back to the, the, the first settlers here in Frankenmuth, having been sent over by Wilhelm Leahy from Neuendettelsau in the middle Franconia in Bavaria back in 1845. And the transition over the generations went from, you know, farming and brewing and, and then into insurance. Also had uh, some connections to Star of the West Milling Company, which is still in existence. So, a long-standing icon here in the Frankenmuth community, part of the agribusness. So yeah, I, my father joined the insurance agency that my, my grandfather, Emil, had started back in 1950. In fact, this year we're, we're celebrating 70 years providing insurance services to local communities and now across Michigan and outstate and even international. We're just very blessed to be here and have the, the opportunity to raise a family in, in such a wonderful community. So congratulations on hitting your 70-year anniversary. That truly is, truly is a, a really great milestone for you to reach. Thank you, Cliff. You said that you grew up in the Frankenmuth area. Why did you decide to go to Michigan State for your degree? Well, my mother was a, an avid Spartan fan. And she certainly bled green. So we, had, as as kids, my she would drag my my sister and me to to football games. And of course, it's you know the the fall of the year, and uh, that campus is probably one of the prettiest anywhere. It was a place I just you know kind of fell in love with, and just always had aspirations to to be a Spartan. And uh, so, uh, upon graduation from high school, that's where I packed my bags and, and was headed to East Lansing. Sweet. And you graduated from Michigan State. You decided to join the family business. And you kind of referenced this before, and I'd like to go back and explore that a little bit. Tell us about the, the history. You said your grandfather, Emil, founded the, the, the Rummel Insurance Agency there in Frankenmuth. But talk to us a little bit more about that, that family history there. Yeah, so your grandpa Emil was, had worked for the bank, the local bank, and was in charge. This was before there was separation of 
between commercial and, and investment banking with in, insurance operations before there was a separation. Now they've you know recombined things. So it was it was interesting when it was McCarran Ferguson. It was a an, an act federal act that affirmed state regulation of of insurance and separated or, or prohibited the operations of of commercial investment banking organizations with with that of insurance operations so they they spun off and Emil decided to start his his own agency back in 1950 really from from the ground up and in a small town and and my my father recalls some memories of of him being up at night he was supposed to be in bed and he was sitting at the top of the stairs and listening in on conversations between Emil and and my grandmother Arlene wondering how they're going to you know make the make the mortgage payment and be able to support the family as you imagine starting a business from from the ground up and and winning those clients and so really the rest is is history the transition in the second generation when my father joined in the late 60s following his his service for Uncle Sam in the US Army and then I joined back in in 1990 after after graduation that was always the plan was to perpetuate this to the third generation and continue uh, the tradition of family business. And that was when, when I came on board back in 1990, we had a staff of about 15. And uh, again, just been blessed to continue to grow since that time. Greg, I'm always interested in speaking with these business owners who are actually in multi-generational family businesses. What would you say are some of the, of the core values that have helped to grow your business? Great question, Cliff. I, I think about it just as a young child and uh, knowing that my father is in a family business and my grandfather's in a family business, you really didn't understand family business, but there was an expectation that at some point as, as my father's only son, the expectation was that I'm going to jump in that role someday. So there was just part of the plan and growing up and, and, and what I studied and things to, to be involved with. Obviously, in insurance is one of those necessities in life where regardless of what's happening in, in the economy, there's always a, a level of insurance that, that needs to be purchased, usually as anybody, part of anybody's sound risk management plan. So it, it, the prospect of coming to work for a family business at times as a kid, you, you have other aspirations, you have other thoughts. Here's what else could I be doing? But it just seemed like such a, such a good fit. So in coming back to the, into the family business, we look at, and, and really business, it's like people really don't change, but I think our, the expectations out there, especially from a customer service standpoint have changed. So our efforts are always geared toward who is in whose interest are, are, we, are we doing business? And ultimately, I think for any top level organizations, it's not just in the best interest of, of the customers as being your top priority. It's beyond that. It's even general stakeholders that may not be a customer, but it's, it's making sure that every decision that we're making is, is gonna be in, in those best interests. So if we keep those types of priorities and values in mind, because we've got our, we have our core values that we operate with internally as, internally as part of a mission and a vision statement. So core values are, are no exception. When it comes to a family business, the, the goal is really it, it's to treat people like family. 
and, and in a good way that, that we are all in this together. And, and whether your name is Rummel or it's not Rummel, and if you work here, to me, you're, you're part of our family. I, I care deeply about every employee and their well-being. And we, we want each one of them to be successful as if they were a member of our own family. And I think what happens is when you do that successfully and promoting that within your culture, that shows in how each one of your employees then interacts with others. I know that they know that they work for a, for a good organization because I can see it in how they interact and they, they make the right decisions. Because a lot of times when, when you're in a business that is compensated based on, on revenue or commission and uh, potentially how big that commission can be, uh, there is always the possibility of making a decision that might not be 100% in the best interest of the client. And uh, we, we stress that to our team, that our core values of honesty and integrity and, and people and relationships matter. Those are among our, our top core values, along with professionalism and, and learning and developing and growing, because we want to have our, the best educated staff we can possibly have in, in helping people make the right decisions for their business, for their family, for their, their children's futures, and making sure that they're, they're protected. So really that, that boils down to family. So our internal customers, our employees are the number one way that we can convey to the rest of the world, not just our customers, but every other stakeholder out there that is affected by making the right decisions and helping guide people, advise um, and counsel them on, on constructing the best possible insurance and risk management programs for them as businesses and individuals. We take that very seriously. But also understand that, you know, we've had a, a concept here for a lot of years that we, stay, we say in addition to our, our vision and our mission, our core values, and that's work hard, play hard. You got to have fun and you can have fun in insurance too, uh, because I think this is one of the best businesses in the world to be in. And speaking of enjoying the fruits of your labor, amongst other things, I was really <laughs> surprised to read that your family was actually really involved with the Frankmuth Brewery, which is a type of insurance that you specialize in. So talk to us a little bit about the family history with the Frankmuth Brewery. Yeah. So before they were the Frankmuth Brewery, uh, they were they were the Geyer brothers. And that's, that's my mother's side of the family, Cliff. And they brewed there from the mid-1870s. The Geyer family purchased the Cass River Brewery in 1874 that had been brewing on that site since 1862. For about a hundred years, they operated as the the Geyer brothers across multiple generations, and the industry changed a lot. As you're you're aware, a lot of consolidation transpired. A lot of the smaller brewers went by the wayside in the 50s, 60s, 70s. Companies like Anheuser Busch, some of the larger brewers throughout that that era, and this was. Obviously, it's post-World War II. There was a lot of, when you think about what happened with the, the economy in general during the, the war years, there was this effort to use, from the standpoint of materials and allocation of resources, brewing the beer product itself became lighter. We went from a case to a six-pack, so it made it easier for moms to, to carry their beer home. And, and everything just got <laughs> a little bit lighter during that, that time period because a lot of the men were, they were either off to war or engaged in the war effort in, in, in some way. So beer became lighter. 
uh, consolidation of the business. A lot of these smaller breweries went by the wayside, and then by the by the late seventies or eighties, that was that was no exception for the Geyer brothers, and the the business operations discontinued. It was then reestablished by a man from Dusseldorf, Germany, Fred Schumacher. He hired a brewer, Fred Shear, and they made a really an, an impressive brewery and an impressive product that early on was was taking gold medals and and earning other other awards. I think back to the early days of the Great American Beer Festival and Frankenwood Brewery is doing quite well early on. And then that operation was taken over by the Heine family and, and, and now the Sarafa family owns the brewery and still operates it. And God willing, they'll be able to get back up and, and running here for the retail operations. But yeah, there's been a connection with our family for, for many years and with being right across the street uh, from our office, it is a convenient destination for lunches and having having dinners and taking people out. So, yeah, that's just been always kind of part of the the family tradition here from going back to the Geyer brothers days. Yeah, and I really do hope that they can get up and running quickly. And the conversation I was having with. Bill Zender of the Frankenmuth Bavarian Inn is I know a lot of people are itching to get out and, and to start just going, just a simple act of going out to dinner or going out and grabbing a, a beer with friends. So I, I know a lot of people are looking forward to that. Yeah, definitely. And I think we can, we can do it safely. I think if we can leave it up to the ingenuity, I mean, we're, people are entrepreneurs for a reason. They're, they're flexible, they're adaptable. Vast majority can, can respond to change very quickly. So trust me, Michiganders are, are smart. The ones that, that want to go out, they should. I, I feel they should be able to, to get out there and engage and, and be mindful and respectful of others. And, and we can do it safely. So I've, I've studied this, this issue for well, well past the, the last month and spent a lot of time and research and, and what are ways that, that we can stay safe. And I use, I use the healthcare system. I'm visiting healthcare facilities every week. And they're, they're doing it successfully. They're staying safe and they've, they've got a method and certainly a lot of the, the policies and procedures that are being updated and, and implemented for PPE and, and cleaning in combination with social distancing, I think have proven to be effective. So let's give business owners that, that opportunity, that flexibility to get opened up and the patrons that are, are want to re-engage and, and participate, by all means, they should have the ability to do so. Uh, safely. So that's something that we're looking at doing here at the agency within the next couple of weeks, Cliff, to, to get rolling again here, get people back into the office. We've been fortunate and very blessed to, to keep people employed. That was my goal. Goal number two in the onset of this pandemic, Cliff, was to, after number one, making sure that we're doing the right things to keep our team safe for those that, that do have to remain here in the workforce in the workplace as an essential business, but the vast majority of our, our employees, we could accommodate from home. And uh, yeah, so now we're getting ready to, to bring them back in. And we want to make sure that the, all the safeguards, procedures, any, any physical modifications that have to be done using personal protective equipment when appropriate, that's all going to be in place uh, before we, we open up. Because if we're going we're gonna to do something, obviously, we want to err on the side of caution, right? We want to keep everybody safe in this, this pandemic because I don't think COVID is going to go away when any official government restrictions are lifted. It's still going to be here, and, and we do have to do our best to keep people safe. 
Today's episode is brought to you by the Frankenmuth Convention and Visitors Bureau. German architecture, chicken dinners, and the world's largest Christmas store are just the beginning. Frankenmuth is quickly becoming known for so much more than chicken and Christmas. From trendy dining to timeless horse-drawn carriage rides, kayaking to adventure parks, ballparks, water parks, regular parks, sweet Moses, there's a lot to do in one trip to Frankenmuth. Visit the must-sees of Little Bavaria, then grab your crew and find something new waiting to be discovered. Pack a picnic blanket, order takeout from your favorite place, and let your kids delight in exploring while soaking up the little moments in life. Join the generations of families in our hotels during the 175th anniversary season in 2020. The perfect road trip awaits you. Start planning your unforgettable family vacation at frankenmuth.org. Now, back to the show. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And I know there's a lot of businesses out there that are putting all these extra plans in place, not only to keep their customers safe, but to keep their employees uh, safe as well. And I think that people are definitely going to be wanting to get out and they're just going to want to make sure that if they, you know, when they do go out, that it's it's going to be safe and that they can still have a good time. So, and speaking of this, because we kind of we kind of migrated to this topic, what are perhaps maybe three things that people should be thinking about, or how they're going to be impacted with regards to the COVID nineteen from from an insurance standpoint? What should they be thinking about as they as they move forward? Those are those are great questions, and I gosh, Cliff, I really wish I had at a crystal ball at times to to see where this is going because so much of, of what is occurring is, is based on, you know, real time information, but this is so new and unprecedented and sure. none of us having so few of us, I hear a few, few stories about folks that are into their hundreds that, that can either have lived through as an infant that 1918, uh, obviously they call it the Spanish flu really had nothing to do with Spain. But it's a hit here in 1919, and for obviously the vast majority of us, this is this is so so new, and uh, so in trying to vet through what is what is credible, relevant information versus what's speculation, what is what really is putting people at risk, and what we can do safely, being able able to have a little bit of foresight to say, all right. We know we need to get things back rolling. How can we do it safely? Keeping that mindset as from, from the standpoint of risk management, number one, that, that really is focus, number one, before we even talk insurance is, is how do we effectively mitigate this? We're, we, we can't make COVID go away. Even with a vaccine, we talk about the effectiveness of, of vaccines and still the fact that even with, for example, a flu vaccine, we still lose tens of thousands every year. A vaccine is, is certainly part of the solution, but it's going to involve mitigation of risk. So how do we do that? Well, we already have some pretty concrete examples. We, we keep people separated. Segregation and, and separation of, of people and assets, I mean, that's a, a longstanding effective way to manage your risk. So if you're thinking about, as in a lot of us are homeowners, and we have the ability to host gatherings and, and parties. And I think, especially with, I have a, a senior in high school, and this would be the time of the year where there's a lot, there would be a lot of uh, socialization and congregating with all those, the senior year festivities from commencement, baccalaureate, to, you know, proms, the graduation parties. And so when I think of those types of things, gatherings, um, 
social gatherings and, and hosting parties, especially privately, is to just just be cautious of, of that risk of what you're potentially bringing together, especially with kids, because they tend what we're finding now or what the experts are saying is young adults, teens, uh, people into their 20s are, a lot of them can be carrying this COVID-19 and be asymptomatic and, and be spreading it without any, any knowledge. So we're still encouraging people, even those that are, that are healthy, to maintain a, a separation. I, talk, I know we talk about six feet, and I, I think yes. it's just simply a distance that the experts refer to as, okay, that's, that's not close intimate contact, whether it's six feet or eight feet or 10 feet. We're, we're, we're recommending that if you're thinking about having parties and, and re-engaging, just, just keep mindful of that. We've, I will tell you as a family, and, and I'm, at, I'm at risk, I'm allegedly immunocompromised just because of the, the treatments I'm, I'm uh, taking, but I, I don't consider myself in that category. And I think as, we, as this pandemic kind of wears on, and I, it's only been a couple months, which in the terms of pandemic is, is, a, is, is really a short period of time. So this virus is going to be here a long time. So when people are thinking about having gatherings and things like that, just be, be aware that this social distancing and, and whether or not you believe in, in wearing a mask, again, back to my comment about using our healthcare system weekly. I've been to a facility that has, has done an incredible job of, of making sure that their, their immunocompromised patients are safe and that they're keeping their staff safe as not to infect people. And they've done what I think is an incredible job because I visit it weekly. We maintain social distancing and they are committed to a higher level of clean and they also require masks. So I think for people you know, and for insurance is the question that we don't know this yet. Uh, time will tell. And I think it's going to take um, some potentially new in order to, to see how potentially insurers are going to react and if coverage is going to even apply. But let's say you host a party and some people get sick and it's roughly the same time of, let's say, the onset of symptoms all happens at the same time. These people were all at the same party. Could there be liability potentially for for that host not following the rules. So I don't I don't know all these things yet and and there's several schools of thought that are saying is our policies going to step up and cover some of this stuff or not. So my of course my my suggestion is just hey just stay safe and insurance is one of those unique products where it isn't always the most effective risk management tool because it it only covers certain types of losses or excludes certain types of claims. And right now we have the challenge of vetting through all different types of contracts that refer or don't refer to viruses and to, to what degree those are covered. So there's a lot of uncharted water here that most of the, the agents and insurance companies that we work with, Cliff, are taking on a case-by-case basis, all right? So in general, based on my experience of, of virus language and policies, on the surface, it would the indication and the intention of most companies is that these types of claims are not covered. But going back to what a lot of these insurers are saying is case by case basis, maybe there's some defense. How do you pinpoint it with a pandemic as to where people were really exposed? So for advice for people, it's just do the right thing. Try to try to take in, into consideration all the recommendations and the advice of the credible professionals out there and 
Don't follow all the internet rumors and everything else. It's what we found is so far it shows that in an effort to flatten the curve, which unfortunately seems to uh, be likely to lengthen the the duration of a pandemic. Yes, it also should help save healthcare from becoming overwhelmed, as well as the the, the limitation of those resources being able to be effective in in treating X amount of people. We know that there's only there's only so many people that can be accommodated, but also it's you think about your neighbors that and friends that that may be compromised or or for other reason have pre-existing conditions that would make them more susceptible to having trouble fighting fighting COVID. So that's our really best advice right now is just be nice, show some respect for others. And if we don't know that masks are 100% effective, well, what does it, what does it hurt to put one on, right? Yeah, that's true. I know my, my fiance and I, we're, if we do go out in public, we are wearing masks and I don't know how effective they are but it boils down to the whole better be safe than sorry. So I agree. Yeah. So for, for people that might want to follow you or connect with you online, or maybe somebody's just got some more questions that they're thinking about. And and I know you talked about how you'll be opening up your office within the next few weeks, but what would be the best way for, for people to be able to connect with you? Yeah, I, I am happy to these days where we're, we're so socially removed and I'm, I'm a people person. So I, I kind of miss the contact and, <laughs> and uh, not to, not to get you on a completely different subject, but one of the things that changed after, after my diagnosis last fall, Cliff was a, a lot of the accounts that I had been managing, not knowing what, what, what future the good Lord had in, in store for me. A lot of my day-to-day involvement with, with my clients was, was shifted to other people within the organization. So I would suggest that the amount of work that I've been doing on this, as well as working with our, our local chamber and, and, and other leadership here within the business community in particular, to look at ideas and ways to better protect business is really where it's going to fall upon for the highest levels of, of really due diligence in making sure that uh, they're following the procedures for keeping their employees and their their patrons when we do get opened up to try to maximize safety at, at every opportunity. We do have access to a lot of resources and uh, feel that we are a good source of, of advice and counsel in that regard. So they can feel free to, they can email and they can call. I will give both of those numbers. So Cliff, our, our agency number is 800-572-0939. And uh, I can be reached via email at Greg Rummel. So it's uh, first name, last name, Greg Rummel at rummelinsurance.com. That is all spelled out. So put your writing skills to work there to jot that one down. Yes. And for our audience, we will make sure to have those, those links in the show notes below, as well as the phone numbers that he rattled off. So yeah. Greg, I thank you so much for being on the podcast today. This has been, this has been a very eye-opening experience. So thank you for, for coming on and sharing things with us. Thank you. My pleasure, Cliff. Really enjoyed uh, our time together as well. And you uh, make it a great rest of your day. Hey everyone, if you enjoyed this episode, then subscribe to our email newsletter. When you subscribe, you'll get new episode announcements. You'll get all kinds of great behind the scenes information on upcoming guests. 
Plus, you'll receive special offers from our guests and partners that you can only get through the email newsletter. Subscribing is quick, easy, and best of all, it is free. Just go to callofleadership.com slash email, type in your email address, and you're done. Once again, that's callofleadership.com slash email. I'll catch you in the next episode.